Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring the strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working part-time at my private practice and part-time at a community mental health agency in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and an owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun, and please refer to your state guidelines and licensing boards for any ethical concerns. And please remember to subscribe and follow our podcast and on Instagram. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. So happy to have you here today. Abby and I are sitting here kind of looking out the window. It's pretty gloomy in Colorado right Mm -hmm. now. I think snow's on the way. Again, Mm -hmm. I guess this is one of the snowiest marches we've had in a long time. I didn't know that. I'm so relieved because of the fires last summer. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be happy for the moisture. Yes. So that feels good. Mm -hmm. Although the dreary sky seems to match Mm -hmm. some of how we're feeling going into this episode. Yeah, we've been spending time going back and forth about how we wanted to talk about just violence in communities. Mm -hmm. And specifically, we're bringing this to the podcast today because of the shooting at the King Supers in Boulder Mm -hmm. that happened this month. Well, I guess when this gets aired a a week and a day ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a different experience living in or nearby the community when this kind of tragedy happens as opposed to hearing about it from a neighboring state Mm -hmm. Um, because some of our clients are directly impacted we parts of me are directly impacted um and honestly it just feels like another thing to experience ourselves and hold clients or supervisees in mind yes there's like a fatigue that comes with that it does it will and uh, Actually, as you say that, you know, before we started, we were like, well, here's another dreary episode. (laughs) And it's because the last episode we released, there was something also awful that happened in the world. I know. The Texas storm. Yes. And I feel angry. Yeah. Personally, like this mobilization of anger has actually, I've just like let it be there this week because there's fear and and dissociation and collapse, certainly. Mm -hmm. But like one of the things that helps me press through is like I have real, like it almost feels like that sacred rage. Mm -hmm. Like this needs to stop. This is not okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have a friend um, that moved to Australia Mm-hmm. And she's actually from here in Colorado. Mm. And she has, she's she's outraged. She's like, it is outrageous now that I live here in Australia. And um, the laws are just so different out here. Yeah. So I wonder, um, I feel like there's so much clinical jargon or clinical themes that can be helpful mm-hmm. that we can sort through. But I wonder if we want to just check in first. Like, how are we doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I w- wonder, do you want to share you know maybe how you had heard about it or Mm. how it's kind of impacted you through the week yeah I ended up finding out from a client 
Mm. Um, and I just had this moment, you know, we talk about dual awareness, mm-hmm. like let me be firmly in right now and have a foot back in remembering something. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I could feel myself try, like there's a lot of efforting to stay present with my client because mm-hmm. I could feel myself going away, mm-hmm. like in my mind of, oh shit, like I am really impacted by that news. Yes. Uh, my husband works at CU Boulder. And so he's been working from home this whole year. But when he's not, like that's, I mean, we've been to that King Supers. That's where he goes for lunch. Like it is really, so learning about that from a client, I had some shock, like my own grief, while recognizing my client needed care. I think I'm. that's part of how I make meaning of it. I was just telling a supervisee this, that um, it's hard to make meaning of something that's so senseless. Yeah. And, and awful. And yet part of how in this moment that I make meaning of it is like, I'm so glad that I was there for this client because the way that they will tell the story is different because I was with them in such close proximity to when the shooting occurred. Mm. That even if we had met a day or a week later, the way that would have stayed imprinted in their mind is different. I just happened to be near them. Um, virtually, Mm -hmm. but like, I guess that helps me a little bit. There's meaning in being together and I could let tears come in my eyes with her. And I just think there's meaning in this like togetherness of, and even in my own anger, like being able to resonate with clients that bring that up. Yeah. I have been able to regulate through sessions by like really allowing that so much of what we talk about on this podcast, our own human emotion about it. Yeah. While being okay, like I'm okay with that client and I totally resonate with so much of what they're saying because we're living through it too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How impactful for you to immediately go to, gosh, this is where my husband gets his lunch. Yeah. Right. Well, and I take my kids there. Oh. Like it just is a whole other, I should never have to talk to my four and six year old about this. And I'm so angry. And I'm quite impressed by their ability to like feel really safe once I let them know like, and he's in jail Hmm. and he's not out anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know, at that age you give age appropriate information. Yes. And so they were able to like really, I mean, it's coming out in their play, like Mm -hmm. at home, their play is indicative of they're sitting with that information, but they seem to come back to safety. So that's like really inspiring to see how kids like with a safe nervous system with them can really work through it. Hmm. It's interesting to me because, you know, certainly you and I work in um, pretty close proximity as far as distance goes. Mm -hmm. You're closer to Boulder. Um, Well, I guess it depends on what practice I'm at. I was going to say, we might be this, (laughs) you might be closer in Broomfield. (laughs) But what's interesting to me is Right, so you're speaking about your family was impacted because you have a very personal relationship with this grocery store, mm-hmm. and so many of your clients have been impacted, yeah, um, and have begun this week to be processing with it with you. I was not impacted personally. I don't have. I've never been to that grocery store. I don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have like an image of it. And when I heard the news, there was shock but then immediately went to like 
compartmentalizing mm-hmm. of like, okay, I can't, I can't scroll through the news. I can't look at this. Yeah. Um, I won't do well, like mental health wise. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, every client I had, I just like started the session by saying, Hey, I just like want to check in mm-hmm. and, and let you know, like if you need space Yes. and all of my clients are like, no, I just need to compartmentalize. Wow. And I, it's just interesting to me how on our caseload, sometimes our clients are very similar to us. Yeah, that's um, so true. But it was, I think at some point, you know, the night I found out, even though I was like, I need to compartmentalize, I also was very aware that I have folks that could have been impacted on my caseload or personally yeah. and, and did reach out and said like, hey, I just need to know that you're safe. And I didn't hear from one of them. And I woke up in the middle of the night and was like, oh man, like I haven't heard from them. Mm. It was just really hard to wait for the names to be released. Yes. And thankfully, like I didn't know anybody. Right. Um, as far as I know, the folks that I know, you know, didn't know those folks. And right. It's sad, but. But what a strange experience. Did you say you woke up that night? Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking implicitly you're holding this uncertainty. Yeah. Like how can we sleep? Right. This like deep meditative rest, you know, dorsal vagal and like that healthy way. Yeah, you bring up a good point because um, we might have touched on this before in a podcast episode, but you actually have to feel very safe yeah. to get deep sleep. Yes. Uh, and so you're right. I I didn't go to bed fully and like feeling safe because mm-hmm. I just hadn't heard from one person. Right. Yeah. And I am just in that space today where I'm like, that's not okay. No. Therapists should not be waking up in the middle of the night wondering if their client was a victim Yeah. in a mass shooting down the road. Like, this should not be. No. And yet it is. And so we think about holding both. How do you hold both? Like, um, you know, I've had people concerned that they're being paranoid. I can't go to the store, mm-hmm. whether it's like friends or clients, supervisees. I can't go to the store, but I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to be paranoid. Right. And just distinguishing the authentic difference. Like paranoia is not based in reality. This is reality. Yes. That, yeah, we just had folks yes. on our team at the agency I work at who said that. Yes. The reality is we are no longer safe anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so then how do you create safety for ourselves first mm-hmm. so that we can offer that to clients? Mm-hmm. I have found myself saying a lot this week, but even last week with the murders and hate crimes against the Asian American women community. Mm-hmm with certain clients that identify as Asian American, I don't know if it's gonna be okay. Right. But I'm here with you. Yeah. And that has been the only thing I can think to say this week is like, I don't know why. And and I'm right here. Yeah, it almost goes back to exploring like what do I have control over and what mm-hmm. do I not have control over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how do I control the safety around me? Mm-hmm. Which is actually really hard conversations, yeah. even outside of mass shootings. Yeah, talking about you know control. Something that you said reminded me of this year. I've had clients who um, have passed away, or mm-hmm. family members that have passed away, or have gotten a terminal illness, and it almost feels the same. Of like, here they tell me this news, and I really need to like 
cry and yeah. and be really sad. Yeah. But then it's just like kicks in of like, nope, I have to hold this space. Right. I have to have one foot in and one foot out. And it yeah. is. It, it's heart wrenching. Uh, and when it just keeps happening over and over and mm-hmm. over, I mean, full disclosure, I don't know how many times it happened over and over until one night I'm just eating dinner, having pasta, and then I just start crying. Yeah. You know, I'm just like putting food in my body and it just oh. activates it all. Oh, that makes me sad. That is so sad. I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> yeah. We said that. We're like, how do we talk about this without getting really emotional? And maybe it's just okay. Yeah. I feel it all leaking out when I'm working out. Mm. Like, it's like all of a sudden I come back into my body and I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Like, there I am. And there's all these feelings and just needing to say that vulnerable for me it feels so vulnerable to say I'm scared I'm scared this shooting happened and I'm scared yes and yet it feels honest Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well and speaking of like you know activating things it's very similar in that you know I've worked with clients who have been in other shootings Mm -hmm. and every time another shooting happens the phrase is it just brings it all back for me yes and that's really what's happened here is it's been so many blows now over a year yeah Um, yeah and each time it's just brought all the folks that I work with back Mm -hmm. it's really hard well there's this collective pain Mm -hmm. and then people hold that differently um on all these different intersectioning levels right Mm -hmm. if you're a woman or a parent or a man or a white person or a person of color. Like I think that this collective pain, the last 12, 13 months Mm -hmm. is held differently in different bodies, Mm -hmm. but it's all there and shared. And I don't know. I just feel like, what are we to do other than be together? I think I come back to this like radical present kind of moment. Like on Tuesday, you know, so the shooting happened on a Monday and on Tuesday, I woke up with this peace in a way, overwhelm and peace at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, like I, cause I ended up working more than usual because of this mm-hmm. supporting supervisees and clients. And I thought, I just really want to be with my kids Yeah, and, and did like we danced a lot on Tuesday. Mm. Um, they really love like when Colorado is wonderful for like these big snows and then the sun will come out and melt a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But they love the puddles. So I just let them get muddy. Yeah. And it felt like almost my, not revenge, like I felt a little indignant about, I am going to be here and enjoy my kids today. Yeah. Like I felt determined to like find peace where I could find it. Mm-hmm. There's something about that that felt really healing that next day. Well, it reminds me of our last episode, right? Mm -hmm. There's something really bad that happened and I'm really angry Mm -hmm. and it's helping me practice gratitude and presence because of it. The contrast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the other thing that comes up is this person that was the shooter and really in any of these, but this specific person, because he was 21 and Mm -hmm. so young, he could have been either one of our clients uh, currently Mm -hmm. because we work with that age group, both of us. Or um, a child client that we once worked with. And I think about he was from this community and did he have a school-based therapist? Was there a social worker involved in his life? How do we as therapists work through that when it's not 
the victim that shows up on the screen, but the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Like I'm closing my eyes because it feels a little overwhelming. Like it should not be so easy to go get an assault rifle and so hard to get into therapy. <sighs> yeah. And I, yeah, I wondered about his past. I think he has had mental health care in the past. Hmm. And I want to be careful because most people with mental illness do not become violent. No. There's that whole slogan, like, I'm mentally ill and I don't kill. Right. right? And like schizophrenia circles. And yes. um, I don't know anything about this man's diagnosis. Like, so we are not saying that. And I bet we don't have to tell a bunch of therapist listeners this. Right. But I feel the need to say that because it's like an advocacy piece. Mm -hmm. The issue here is not mental illness, but it makes me sad how easy it was to get a gun and and how hard it is right now specifically to get into therapy. Yes. No one has openings. Yeah. I mean, mental illness or not, the issue is lack of community and connection and feeling lonely. Yes. And helpless. Yes. Why else would you need to take power like this? Yes. And it makes me think of the therapist that maybe has worked with him Mm -hmm. in the past. And like, I just ached for our field. There's a weird responsibility. There is. I I think that's why there's so many therapists that have a hard time around like suicidality. Yes. Yeah. Because they believe that there's some responsibility on them or there's, I could have done enough. I I didn't do enough. I should have done more. Sure. Yeah. And it goes back to the control piece yeah it does we cannot work harder than our clients Mm -hmm. we can't work harder than the systems that they're living in well it is never our responsibility to make someone live it feels that way Mm -hmm. all we can do is offer yes and do the best we can within our control to keep safety Mm -hmm. but but with i mean i thought back to i mean my best friend is a school social worker and so her and i have had conversations about the hundreds of threat assessments she's done. And I've done those too. Like, Mm -hmm. and it could have easily been any of our clients. Yes. And so then it brings humanity to this murderer, shooter. Yeah. There's a humanity there too. Yeah. I'm just putting myself in a therapist's shoes who may have a client who was a, you know, a mass shooter. And Mm -hmm. it's similar. Well, I'm putting myself in their shoes and thinking about how many people do they feel safe enough to reach out to Yeah, and say, you know, certainly not, you know, not their personal friends, but sure. this was my client, you know, their, their supervisors, their consultation. Yeah. Is there some like shame around that, which they're, you know, I think shows up for so many of us. And, and it, you know, I would love, I want to say like, it shouldn't be there, but mm. um, how do they grieve? Yeah. Right. It's, it's widely accepted and okay to be like, this was my client and they died. And we're all like, gosh, that's terrible. Right. And how do we give space to therapists who need to grieve? Like, this was my client that did this. Yeah. I don't know a space. No. I have the chills. I know me too. (laughs) It feels like another big gap, almost like in parenting. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the, the moms of, um, like different school shootings and the interviews around Columbine, the mm-hmm. parents. Yeah. And it feels like there's a responsibility. Oh, my kid did this awful thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same because as therapists, we're not parents, but it feels like there's a relatedness of like um, t- 
to know a person Mm -hmm. is not to control a person. Yes. Yeah. But a lot of uncertainty is kind of what we're exploring. Like, how do we hold uncertainty and and yet live? Mm -hmm. Well, the uncertainty for sure creates sometimes, at least for me, this piece of like just wanting to shut down. Mm -hmm. And I know in my own therapy and then my work with my own clients that mobilization really is what like the movement is what creates healing. Yeah. So as we are like sitting in uncertainty with clients, how do we begin to like weave in Mm. mobility, uh, mobilization, Mm-hmm. Whether we're literally doing it with them mm-hmm. or talking about how they can do it, yeah, I'm imagining, you know, some of the sessions I've had with little people this week. They're reenacting the shooting, and I mean, how many times have we been shot, murdered, handcuffed, set on fire in the playroom? Yes, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, but it feels different this week for mm-hmm. me. To have little people pretending to be the shooter. Mm. And and I have found myself saying out loud because I can feel myself like about to go away, mm-hmm. like, to so, like just not be as engaged in the play the way I need to be. Mm-hmm. And so I have found myself saying out loud like, oh, we're going to pretend that there's a shooter here. Mm-hmm. We're going to pretend that we're... And so I normally don't have to do that. I've needed to do that to keep my nervous system online. Yeah. It's how I'm regulating and just giving myself permission. And I think that has been helpful for me to like name what I need with mm-hmm. clients often. Yeah. Um, like I held a like kind of group supervision check-in mm-hmm. and intentionally said, I don't know what to say. I just want to hold space. Mm-hmm. So there's something like vulnerable and healing about just being a little more authentic um, yeah. So changing your approach in the therapy space. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like you also did some mobilizing by like creating this additional um, support group to yeah. like talk about that. Just to check in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, sound, it feels more soothing. Like it is mobilizing because it prevents collapse. Mm-hmm. But the, but if the felt sense of it is more of like a soothing, like, yeah, and I can be right here. Yes. Um, we have decided to just do grocery delivery the next two weeks, mm. my husband and I. Yeah. And that's going to be okay. Like, not forever, but mm-hmm. just right now, that's what we need. It's a smart choice. I mean, I've been to the grocery store now two or three times since it happened, mm-hmm. and I am either right when I walk in aware and looking at everybody. Yeah. Or as I'm walking out, I'm like, oh, I haven't been. Right. I haven't been thinking about it this whole time. Like, I mm-hmm. let my guard down. Mm. Yeah. I know when the Vegas shootings happened, I had gotten trained in EMDR pretty recently and just wanted, you know, to use the power of EMDR. But I just like got a plane ticket and headed out there on like the Hmm. third or fourth day after it had happened with this idea that I've been watching too many of these shootings happen. I'm not doing anything like I'm going to do something. I have Mm -hmm. to do something. Mm -hmm. I have family that live out there. And so it was easy to like go out there and stay with people. Yeah. Um, you didn't like hitchhike over there. Right. <laughs> like, it didn't cost like a lot of money, but yeah. And I think a piece too was to check in on the family that lived out there. Yeah, sure. But when I went out there, I learned that, you know, when a crisis like that happens, 
um, there are specific people, specific therapists that, you know, in the EMDR world, you can actually sign up for um, like trauma response or natural disaster um, kind of events. Mm-hmm. And EMDR will like contact you if it happens in your community and then you go out because there needs to be organization around crises. Mm-hmm. If you have all these people that are coming to help, well, that's wonderful. The communication breaks down. There's lots of like gaps that happen. Yeah. So there actually really are a lot of steps. But what I appreciated is I walked around for hours trying to figure out how it was going to help. And I finally found, I I can't even tell you, it was just like phone calls. And I ended up getting in contact with some guy from the Red Cross who was like the head of everything. And he was so kind in holding that he, he knew I wanted to help. And with, he couldn't tell me, you know, really, you can't like this is you need to follow this protocol, but he held that I needed to help. And so at the very least, what he did is he gave me kind of this like tour around where they were holding supplies to give to families like food and drinks and um, whatever they needed to the donations that had rolled in, how mm-hmm. they were like divvying out the donations and then also where they were holding like families belongings yeah. that either were alive and had lost them or folks that had passed and had their family members pick them up. Mm-hmm. But just to see that process, even though I didn't get to directly help process for folks, seeing that process was healing enough for me. Yeah. And so I do think when we think about mobilization, it might become overwhelming when we think about, well, here's, a, you know, I can't fly out there or I can't, mm-hmm. you know, be this crisis therapist, but there are really small things that create healing. Like the group you're talking about, just this tour that he gave me. And honestly, it goes back to what you said about the presence. Yeah. It's just nice to have him there with mm-hmm. me. Uh, and he's not a therapist. He's just somebody, yeah. a Red Cross volunteer, <laughs> but uh, it just felt nice to have someone meet me in the grief that I had. Mm. It feels like that could sum it up so well. Like we get to do that in every session. Mm-hmm. Just meet people with the grief that they have. Yes. And it sincerely is more than enough. But yeah, it doesn't feel there's that like need to do. There's so much helplessness around this, mm-hmm. especially on a systemic level. And and just the the disparity between how this is held in different bodies and media reporting. And mm-hmm. um, there's layers on layers of issues and it can lead to so much helplessness. And so I think like orienting to this IPNB, interpersonal neurobiology, is so soothing to me to keep coming back to. Like our nervous systems long to be together and to heal. And I think we said that on Marco Polo this week, like I just can't wait to be together. Yes. I just wish that somebody could have met that 21 year old boy. Yes. Met him with his grief. Yes. And so we just hope that somehow, if you are holding grief, that any part of this episode has met you Mm -hmm. or met part of that grief for you. Mm 